Our text for this morning's sermon is taken from the Gospel lesson with special emphasis on the following words of Jesus. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. This is our text. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, we get to know one another through words. Words not only have meaning, but they give meaning to our conversations. Likewise, we learn about God and his love for us in Christ through words, namely his words that unlike ours, actually in reality, give and bestow what they say. The Lord's words bring us into his presence, embrace us with his love, and give us the goodness of his life and peace. That's what his words do. It is how we and others not only get to know him, but also how we intimately relate to him as his bride, the church. Furthermore, it is how we as a church go about making known the love of Christ to others. We read, sing, hear, and pray his words so that, as Jesus says, we may become perfectly one. Yet, there's an unmistakable reality that's running through our world today, isn't there? It's that we're not unified. We are not perfectly one and it's not even close. And things don't seem to be getting better either, do they? In many congregations, in our synodical schools, and in the church throughout the world, we hear about splits, battles, disputes, separations, and condemnations. At times it seems so bad that you must admit it that it's a miracle that there's a Christian church at all, right? It affects all of us. Now, the reason for this lack of unity and this animosity toward one another is this. When the church and our lives are run with our words and ways instead of the Lord's words and ways, it all falls apart. The Apostle Paul uses the image of the body. The body can't survive if it's at war with itself, if it's not unified. For example, St. Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. The head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you. Yet that's what, exactly what's going on in our culture, right? People saying to one another, I have no need of you. A male saying to a female, I have no need of you, even though it takes a male and a female to give life, doesn't it? By the way, I'm amazed how, how many of our young people actually believe that a male can give birth. By the way, they can't. A male cannot give birth. 
You need a father and a mother. That's the reality, but what's going on is, is this lie that somehow we create the reality. It's simply not true. And what's happening, I, to try and explain this, is we're making words subjective, totally subjective, instead of recognizing the objectivity of words. And thus what happens is we make them meaningless. They don't have any meaning at all. Let me give you an example. A grandma told me the other day that she talked to her granddaughter and she asked how the pregnancy was going. And her granddaughter said, they is fine. She said, you're having twins? She said, no, that's what we call it now. They. Now, there will be some who would argue that it's easier than the he or she, right? That seems laborious. And quite frankly, it is. But it's the innovators who brought us that too and now don't like he or she. In the beginning, God created man. That's the word for humanity. Male and female, he created them. We're of the same stuff. In the Hebrew, it's ish and isha. So you see what's happening. We're taking away who we are and creating our own identities, which is no identity at all. Could it be that that's why the suicide rate is so high among our young people today? It's going off the charts, people. Could it be that because a person has no meaning or purpose in life, he or she goes into a school and, and kills even little children? It's all meaningless, so who cares, right? That's what's going on. Now, why is there this attack on words? And I would submit to you that it's a spiritual warfare. And here's why. It's actually an attempt to make everything relative to whatever a person wants or thinks. Let's call it, as some have said, expressive individual, individualism, expressive individualism, and it is evil, and here's why. It's, attack, it's an attack on reality, and ultimately it's an attack on the object of reality of God. You see, God uses words to give his gifts, words that bring meaning, and purpose to our lives. Words that give life, not take it away. Making words meaningless is an attack on objective reality. So, I think it's time that we bring people back to what's meet right and salutary, what's true. 
2 plus 2 does not equal 5, as some would say it does if someone thinks that. Try making a bridge with that kind of math. Or how about this? We're celebrating Memorial Day this weekend, aren't we? We're remembering those who gave their lives so that we could be free, free from tyranny, free from those who would take our lives because they want power for themselves. And by the way, the ultimate power monger is Satan, who seek to take, not to give. If it's all just meaningless, if it's all just whatever I think is right and true, then why would we give thanks for them? Evil is real even if it's not part of your narrative. Good is real even if it's not part of your narrative. And only God is good. And he's here through words to bring his goodness into our hearts and into our lives. All of these issues that we're dealing with in our culture and society, there's nothing new under the sun. But it's precisely why Jesus is still praying for us, and he is, and that's good. Jesus prayed, quote, for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, their word being the apostles who were sent by Christ to proclaim his words and his words alone. The Lord's words are still being proclaimed through apostolic ministry and also through the priesthood of all believers, even among the youngest among us who learn words so that they can converse with one another and share with one another and build one another up. The ascension of our Lord, which we celebrated Thursday, and the sending of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which we will celebrate next Sunday, both testify that the Lord is still working in the world and still building his church. And he's doing it through words. The words I have spoken to you, he says, are spirit and they are life. And that's as true today as the day he created humanity. Our Lord ascends and sends his spirit so that he is not just in one place at one time when he bound himself to space and time in our bodies, right? He's not bound by space and time. He's God. So that he is in every pulpit, every font, and every altar at all times bringing his gifts, bringing his life, bringing his peace that, that surpasses all understanding into our hearts and into our lives. His word, baptism, and supper bring the glory and work of his cross to every part of the world. That's what it's doing today. Uniting people of every tribe, nation, and people to himself, thereby undoing the disunity and discord of our sin in our midst through the forgiveness of our sin and the delivery of a new 
unified life with him. That's why a few years back when I went to Africa and walked into a place of Christians, it was like we knew each other all along. Brothers in Christ. As the Apostle Paul reminds us, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. And he seeks to put us all under his care, where every last one of us, the oldest among us, to the youngest human being in the womb. By the way, you don't change what is within you. If it's not part of your narrative, it is what it is. It's a human being. And God cares for every human being. Every one of them. Every one of us. Every one of us who has ever lived. Every one of us who will ever live. He seeks to put us under his care, that we might live together, perfectly one in him. Our Lord is working in and through his word right here and now, and is uniting us to his resurrected life and way in this world. Kind of like motor nerves in your body direct and unite, for example, your hands and feet to work together as one. Through this word, we are forgiven and restored and united in him, and we are united to one another in him. In Christ, we are united and joined to one another as closely as he is in the Father, and the Father is in him. Living in him, we live for one another, die for one another, pray for one another, serve one another, forgive one another, and love one another. His word has its way in our lives, making known the love of Christ, that we may be perfectly one in thought, word, and deed. And we are. We are perfectly one in him. We are perfectly one in him. Now and for eternity. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for choosing this podcast. Trinity Lutheran Church School and Child Care has been making known the love of Christ in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and throughout the world since 1853 as a congregation gathering around God's Word and sacraments to receive the forgiveness of life everlasting. We invite you to visit us in person. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. You can support our content by visiting our website, trinitysheboygan.org, and click on the donate button, and check out our YouTube channel for weekly Bible studies and divine service. Music for this production was obtained through a licensing agreement with One License, LLC. Learn more at onelicense.net.